0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of You the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram at Mother, and be sure to check out YouTheMother.com, where you can reach out to work with me one on one or sign up for my group coaching. I just added a second, the estranged mother group coaching session for the month of June. The first session sold out in two days, and I just didn't feel like it was fair to the majority of who didn't probably see that I had opened it. Um, It just went so fast. So I opened up a second one. Be sure to check it out in the link in the description of this podcast. It has the itinerary if you are on an estrangement journey or if you are just navigating Difficult Family Dynamics. This group is for you to find community, to feel less alone, to learn more about your priorities, your boundaries, and being the cycle breaker in your family. Go check it out. Um, I hope that some of you join us. And if you can't join this round, please be on the lookout for the next one. And in this week's episode, I am so excited to welcome on Dr. Shafali. Dr. Shafali received her doctorate in clinical psychology from Columbia University. Specializing in the integration of Western psychology and Eastern philosophy, she brings together the best of both worlds for her clients. She is an expert in family dynamics and personal development, teaching courses around the globe. She has written four books, three of which are a New York Times bestseller, including her two landmark books, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. In this episode, we talk all about her newest book, The Parenting Map. The parenting map is a step-by-step solution to consciously create the ultimate parent-child relationship. and Dr. Shafali walks us through every step and stage in how to consciously parent your children. You can find Dr. Shafali over on Instagram at Dr. Shafali and you can find her on her website drshafali.com. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode and if you do, please be sure to leave a five star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Hi, Dr. Shafali. Welcome to You, the Mother podcast. I am so excited that you are joining us here today because I think a lot of us are always looking for all the tips and tricks for parenting. And I know that the conscious parenting movement has been one that has really touched my own parenting journey. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, but before we do, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, you know, I'm a clinical psychologist by trade, so I help a lot of people uh, manage their lives and their emotions. I am also an author of five books now, and uh, many of them are parenting books or wisdom books. So this is my passion to help people actualize their greatest authentic potential. So this is what I do every day of my life. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm so passionate about it. And I really believe in conscious parenting because the parent-child relationship is so pivotal. It sets such a foundation up for other relationships that we have to really pay attention to how we show up in this relationship because it creates a template for our children in in their future relationship.
0: Um, a lot of the women in my community are navigating difficult mother-daughter relationships with their mothers while parenting their children. And so I think that the conscious parent work and framework is so important, especially for us who identify as cycle breakers um, and, you know, to be, I guess, ha- forming better connections with our children maybe than the generation before us. Um So the work that you're doing is so, so important. Can you tell my listeners, I guess, like before we dive into our conversation, what it means when we're talking about conscious parenting, what is conscious parenting and how do we do it? Great. I will.
1: So in order to understand conscious parenting, one has to become aware that the current parenting prevalent paradigm is what we will call for right now, the traditional parenting paradigm. And that's how we were mostly raised. It's a paradigm based in fear and control. And we have to first become really aware of that. And, and I think we're so used to fear and control that we don't realize that that's a toxic paradigm. We were raised with this archaic understanding of what discipline should look like, what love should look like, what caring should look like. And children were really reared to be mini versions of their parents without any awareness on the parent that they could be wrong or delusional. So until we can become aware of the toxic traits of the traditional parenting paradigm, we won't even know what conscious parenting is. So often I first lead audiences into an awareness of how they were raised so that they could get in touch with how that hurt them, how that abducted them from their authenticity. And then I talk about conscious parenting. So conscious parenting turns the traditional parenting paradigm on its head in a very provocative way. And I've had a hard time spreading its mission in the world because it's so provocative for parents. And it's basically the antithesis of the traditional paradigm. So it's not based on fear and control. It's based on healing and integration and acceptance and the parent really doing their own work so that they don't project their unmet needs on the child, and they truly are present for the child in the way that the child needs them to. So it requires that the parent enter a higher state of consciousness themselves. And that's where it gets really tricky because parents don't think there's anything, quote unquote, they need to work on. So it's all about the parent doing them wo- their own work. And once the parent does their own work, the, the ripple effect is so gargantuan and monumental that that creates such a... Wide-ranging effect, you know. I started a coaching institute, thinking that I like train five coaches a year, but I've almost close to a thousand now. So this work affects people so much that they want to go and become coaches out into the world and help other parents because it's such important, noble work, and uh, it's so transformative. I cannot tell you. You, one may think, okay, 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 I'll do the work. Okay, 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 I won't yell. But it's much deeper than that. Right. It's it's really, you know, just today I was with a mother who said, you know, all I told my 17 year old was like, uh, all she said was, do you want to go out looking like that? And apparently the teenager lost her shit Mm -hmm. and got so upset. And the mother couldn't see how she was being so critical. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, but I can't take it watching her go out into the world looking so slovenly and so sloppy. And I said, man, half the problem is because you're critical. And and so parents don't see that. And it's not just about the words we say, it's our whole attitude to our children.
0: Yeah. It's so, so important to uh, shift some of that mindset. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think like being the adult daughter on the receiving end of like a very critical mother, you know, my life would be completely different had she been going through courses like this or, you know, able to develop some of that self-awareness, right? Oh my goodness,
1: yes. We would all be such different, (laughs) right? Can you imagine we we wouldn't be married the way we were? We wouldn't live where we were. We wouldn't be doing the way... the things we are, if we had non-critical, non-judgmental, open and accepting parents, can you imagine like, what a different world we would live in? It's un- unfathomable how different we would be.
0: Yeah, and that ripple effect that you're talking about, it is... It is really, really profound. Um, so Dr. Shafali, this is your fifth parenting book, you said, or your fourth parenting book.
1: It's my fourth parenting, parenting. book. Yeah, it, yeah, it could yeah. be the fifth. There's one book that I co-authored with someone. So mm. it could be the fifth. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What uh, makes the parenting map different from your other parenting books? What are some things that you've learned along the way?
1: So, I finally came out with the how to book that many parents were asking me about. So, I came out with this new book called The Parenting Map that I would love all your audience to get. And uh, it's uh, the culmination, I think, of all my other parenting books because it really breaks it down into a how to step by step program. And, you know, we all wanted our children to come home with a map, with a manual. Well, this is that manual. And if you follow the steps, I've given exercises, I've really broken it down. Um, And if you follow those steps and go through this program, you will be a hugely transformed parent. And uh, so this is that manual that we wish our children came home with.
0: And it's kind of broken into these different steps or stages. Um, Let's kind of go through the different stops?
1: So the stages are broken down as a journey. It's the journey that we all need to take. And every journey begins with first changing your mindset, because if you're not aware that your mindset is wrong, you won't be able to change the actual life, right? So it's like a diet or a cleanse or whatever, you know, you want to start changing your, your, your food intake. You can, you know that the cookies are not good, so you can throw out all the cookies, but if you don't change your deeper mindset around it, it'll come back, right? So this is this is what the first stage is about. It's called From Frustration to Clarity. The second stage is about From Dysfunctional Patterns to Conscious Choice. The second stage goes deeper, and I talk about how our unconscious patterns have been set up to sabotage us. And I talk about the five main ego patterns we have, and that's really interesting for people to identify their mother, their father, their partner, and themselves. And then stage three is about how to make conscious connections with your children, which is all about recognizing who your children are, recognizing what qualities your children have, and how to adapt your style to your child. Rather than making your child adapt to you, you try to manage your child and see their superpowers in the way that they need you to. And that's a very important stage as well.
0: I want to kind of go back to that second stage from dysfunctional patterns to conscious choices. A lot of the women who are in my community identify with coming from a dysfunctional family system. And I think that as we are on a healing journey, as many of us identify in my community, it's really important to be identifying what your role is in the dysfunctional family system, right? What are some of the dysfunctional uh, patterns of behavior that you picked up in order to survive, right? Um, And so how and while we're kind of talking about some of these ego styles, are there ways that we can make some of these transitions easier to be able to do more of the conscious choice?
1: Right, so you hit the nail on the head. So you have to become aware of how you're fitting in to the Mm -hmm. system, right? So a parent can complain that they their children doesn't their child doesn't listen to them, but then when you uncover the patterns I talk about, the parent may realize, oh, it's because I don't have good boundaries because I'm a fixer. So I talk about the fighter parent who's mainly just an exploder, uh, aggressive parent. Then I talk about the fixer parent who's very anxious and how they enable their children and, and their relationships. It's not just their, their children. Then I talk about the feigner parent who's all about get, seeking attention and is feeling so empty that they use the world to give them validation. I talk about the freezer parent who operates out of this fear of, uh, you know, just great avoidance of deep emotions. And then the abandoning parent, which is the, the fleer parent, So many of us grew up with parents like this and became parents like this. And so it's really important to identify. The first thing is to become aware of your predominant style. So my predominant style is a fixer. And, you know, I have to, you know, really become aware of the words that I say, the feelings that I have, which lead me to the words, and and how to then deconstruct that in the moment and cut that style. And I talk about how to break that style. But if we are not aware of it, like so blatantly aware of it, and are willing to stop ourselves in the moment, it's like the alcoholic who wants to enter the bar, or wants to call up that friend who's a drinker, we have to stop it like way before we actually get drunk, right? So we have to go backwards, 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 okay, then what is the feeling I'm having that's making me want to think about alcohol? And then how do I make a different choice? So this this is the pattern. That we need to break this this robotic pattern, and we need to create new patterns and new pathways in our brain so that they become habits.
0: Are we able to kind of teeter between two of these?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. But I'm like I'm
0: reading this list, and I'm like I think maybe I teeter between two.
1: Yeah, we, but it, we start out with one, and then if we find that it's not working, we quickly go to another. So many many men many men for example. Will typically be freezers because they're avoiders, but then they'll become fighters, right? They don't want to be involved, but then they become fighters. Or women will become fix. Will, will start as fixers, but then quickly enter into fighting. What, do you, what, do you, what are yours? What's yours?
0: Well, so as I'm like reading this list and you're kind of breaking them down and what they mean and look like, right? I think I identify as a fixer with some of my children. I have four children. And so I think I identify as a fixer with some and a fighter with some others. And I think maybe that's personality type. You know, I think that there's different triggers that different children kind of push. from. Right, my so, your fighter,
1: right. so your fighter, the one that you're a fighter with, the ones that you're a fighter with, are they more aggressive too?
0: They are like me. They are my mini me. And I just feel like um, when they show up, in my in like relationship with me right there's like alarm bells that maybe gets set off in my internal system of you're not allowed to act like this like this was shamed, you know shut down whatever in my childhood I was the problem child and so when I see them acting like little Abby it's like my immediate reaction to just be like shut it down right and so I spend so much of my own work with those those children more so than my other children. But I do have some of these things with them too, where I'm more the fixer and, you know, I don't know, kind of different with them. But that's so like the a different fixer, part of me, I think. Right, right. The
1: fixer, yep. the fixer children, the one that you become fix, a fixer with, are they more people pleasers anyway? So it's easier for you to be calm. Yep. Yeah, yep.
0: Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: the yep. fighter children, man, they are the, they. Are, I had a fighter child. I, I still, and I
0: have one. Yep. Yeah, I
1: still have one. She won't tolerate any of my fixing, right? So when right. it's because they're not c- capitulating to us, they are so bold and rebellious, then they enrage us because we were never allowed to be that. So it's it's really interesting, yeah. So I break it down, and and you're you're, you're a hybrid of many styles, but you you do you have to become aware of what's coming up for you at the moment. And what's coming up across all styles is this feeling of helplessness. That's it. So if you understand, so it's fear, which leads to control. Some control through fixing, some control through yelling, some control through avoidance. It's all controlling our own internal helplessness. So that's that's the basis of this chapter, this whole section, yeah.
0: It's so hard because even like being so aware and so conscious of like what you're doing, why it's coming up, it's still so hard to implement like different things, right? Like it is so ingrained in our blueprint to operate in some kind of way. So I think like that's probably your third stage, right? From conflict to connection. Um, Can we talk about some of that and how to make some of these transitions easier, right? When we are conscious, we are aware, How do we do things differently?
1: Well, you know, there are many steps in that stage. But once you are aware of how important it is to attune to your child. So just yesterday, I dropped my daughter at the airport, who's not a 20-year-old fighter. But, you know, she only fights because I'm fixing, right? So I have to see my part. So I treat her like a two-year-old. I go all the way to the check-in, like a total crazy fixer. And she's like, mom, 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 I'm not an idiot. I can handle it. But mom doesn't listen because I'm in fixing mode. And I'm like, no, no, you you can't handle it, right? Which is so terrible a message. I'm watching myself, but I'm pretending like I'm caring, right? So I know I'm fixing because I'm fixing my own anxiety because I'm thinking she suddenly can't read or write, right? So, um, you know, I drop all the way and then, She's so angry with me, she doesn't even give me a hug, right, at the end. But instead of getting angry with her, I, I understood. I was like, yeah, I treat, she felt like an imbecile because I was so overbearing. And, I, and so I didn't make a big deal out of it. I said to myself, serves you right, Shafadi, right? I should have released the control. So I understood that. So attuning to your child and understanding what they're going through Like I was aware and empathic of what the hell she's going through. She has to deal with this annoying mother chaperoning her like a bloody, she's two years old. So I just kept becoming aware of her, but I couldn't still override my own overbearingness, but at least I didn't make it worse and shame her. And I said, you know, I love you. I'm sorry. You have to understand that mom is out of control, you know? So so she was like, I know, I know. So But if I was a different kind of parent who was unconscious, I would have shamed her for not hugging me and made her the bitch, right? So attuning to our children. What are our our children going through having to deal with us? See, we're so caring about our own egos. We're like, what about me? How am I feeling? You're not taking care of me. But I was aware while I was being obnoxious of how she must be feeling. So then when she became, quote-unquote, obnoxious, I was able to back off, right? Right. So attuning to how our children are feeling, how do they feel having to deal with us, right? So when your child bangs the door in your face, instead of going into reaction mode and saying, how dare you, attune to what's going on with our child by asking ourselves, how must it feel for my child to deal with me, right? Instead of always going, oh, for me having to deal with my obnoxious child. How about look at our own obnoxiousness, right? And we're obnoxious all over the place. Like, we'll say things like, I just want my child to sit still at the table. Okay, how old is your child? Three. Okay, a three-year-old cannot sit still at the table. So we're not looking at how unreasonable we are at all times, right? So I did an experiment when my daughter was like nine because I was fighting with her to practice the piano when I wanted her to practice the piano because I'm thinking it's a good thing for her brain. But then I told myself, you know what? Why don't you start learning the piano and you practice it anytime she says? So we did this whole game. I couldn't practice the piano for the life of me when she wanted me to, right? So we did this this whole and she's like, you see, you see? And what was what was that about? A parent comes with control, but we're so misattuned to what we're asking our child. Go practice, go play a sport, whenever we want. But the brain doesn't work like that. It cannot be creative on demand, right? So we're saying be creative in a controlled way. It doesn't work like that, but that's for everything. Now, I'm not saying your child should not do homework and I'm not saying your child shouldn't try to sit at the table. I'm saying have empathy for the obnoxiousness with which we rage at them and the controlling nature with which we impose our demands and our commands and enter a partnership with them. Like, hey, I know you don't want to practice the piano. I know you don't want to sit at the table. Can we at least stand at the table? Can we at least just be in the same room? Like negotiate some win-win situation so your child feels partnered with, right? So I told my daughter, I'm so sorry I'm out of control, but I need to do this. So she calmed down a little bit. I was like, I'm crazy. I'm the psycho. I'm the mad woman. Let me please drop you to to the TSA line because I'm crazy. Um, so once I owned it, she was okay, better, right? But she still didn't give me a hug. <laughs> but what I'm saying is we have to own our part of the dynamic. Yeah. And more important than owning our part is we have to understand our children. And I give all sorts of techniques and tips to understand our children better.
0: I love those examples that you just shared with us, Dr. Shafali. I think that there's so much importance and realness that all of us relate to all of those examples that you just gave. I really love the piano playing one, and I'm like laughing because I'm like, I'm sure if I did some of the things that my children have had to do along the way, maybe right. I wouldn't have liked
1: those. Right? We're so nice to ourselves, right? Like when we come home after a long day at work, we do throw our bag and we do throw our shoes, shoes wherever we want. Imagine coming home after a long day at work and being told by someone, "Pick up your shoes, pick up your clothes. You have ten minutes to eat, and then we're going for." trumpet practice. And then we're going for baseball practice. And then we're going for choir practice. Then we're going to have to have a shower. Go have a shower right now. Sit at the table. Don't talk like this. Don't do this. I mean, do we have any empathy for the fact that our children have been at school all day with, with nasty adults and have had to listen? And we don't realize how controlling we are. And once we do, we can change all our you know, areas of conflict and we can enter a great partnership, great kindness and great communion with our children.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had an incident like that this spring where my, we signed my son who's 13 are going to be 13 up for soccer. And we pulled up to the first soccer practice. I've paid for the soccer. I've paid for new cleats. I've paid for all the stuff, right? We pull up to that first practice and he's sitting in my front seat and he looks over at me and goes, I don't want to play soccer. And I'm like, Oh, He's like, it's just too much right now. You know, like I'm doing another sport, I'm doing school. This is too much. I said, okay. And I put the car in drive and we drove away. And we like joke with him because once you get on like these team apps, you're just like there for life. So every weekend we're like, oh, Oliver, you're uh, your soccer games right now. <laughs> we like make it a joke and
1: like kind of. But uh, that's so amazing. Of, that you were able, But that's so amazing that you were able to do right. that. Yeah. And
0: I know, like, a lot of parents are like, you know, it's a commitment. Once, like, you make it, you got to see it through. And I get, like, some of those pieces. Um, it really, like, I felt this, like, internal urge to see him and validate him in that moment. You know, I could hear him when he was talking to me that, like, this is too much. and He was identifying it. I ate the hundred and whatever dollars and, like, whatever. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, I think, like, there is a lot of power in listening to them. And, you know, I, I want them to be people that go out into the world and are able to say when is too much instead of overworking themselves, you know, overburdening and like the hustle culture that is our culture. Sometimes I want them to be able to advocate for themselves and identify that for themselves. So it felt like a really teachable moment. I'm like, all right, we're doing this. But then, you know, you kind of go home and you got to sell it to dad, right? And you're like, we're not doing soccer and this is why. Which leads me to my next conversation. You know, I think that there's a lot of parenting uh, techniques, books, podcasts, whatever, and it kind of gets put on the mental load of moms a lot of the time. That default parent is do- is the one doing the learning, listening to the podcasts, reading the books, and maybe it's hard to get your partner on board. So for the women who are listening, or the default parent who is listening and is having a hard time getting their partner on board. Are there some suggestions that you can share to kind of help bridge that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and it's tragic and it's sad, but I just don't want us to waste time trying to recruit other people. We, we became parents. We have to own that job. Yes, we can complain till the cows come home, but I'd rather you see the power of being Conscious yourself, you're not doing this to get credit as the best parent in the world. You're doing this because you have to do it for your children. Yes, the other parents should be on board. And I always say that conflict around parenting is not a parenting issue, it's a relationship issue. And parents don't like to hear that because if your partner is not being influenced by you, it's because they don't give a shit. (laughs) So it's really hard to see that. So I just tell women listen, you have enough on your plate you do the work if it becomes such a bad issue then then it's a relationship issue go for couples counseling it's not a parenting issue it's a relationship issue do not blame your children it's about your partner not being willing to be influenced by you
0: yeah yeah that's so hard um dr shafali what do you feel like um just to kind of wrap up when we're talking about you know disrespect and our kids coming to us with maybe some of their negative emotions that maybe we weren't allowed to have as children. And I can totally identify with how some of those things are triggering and they push some buttons inside of us. Are there some ways that we can lean into some of this consciousness and better manage disrespect, anger? Right. Well, well, the
1: first thing, and I teach this in the book, all of stage three is about that. Before jumping to call something disrespect, Let's just take a pause and ask the question, why is my child doing this? And if you can just do that, and that takes a Herculean effort to not get trapped and take it personally. But if you know that you are an amazing person, if you know you're an amazing mom, then even if your child calls you the worst mom in the world, I hate you, I wish I was free of you, I'm going to kill you, whatever the worst things are, you know that you're amazing and you know your kid is amazing. So they're having a moment. So in that moment, how can we just lean into the fact that your child is feeling trouble and is troubled and is nervous and is feeling disruptive inside and they're dumping on you? Like I've just accepted I'm the dumping place for my daughter. Anytime she's dumping, I'm not taking it like, oh, she's saying something against me, Shefali. I just go, oh, she's dumping her negative crap on me because she feels safe. And then I feel honored to, that she's dumping her crap on me. And then I can lean into, wow, my kid is in trouble. My kid is feeling some type of way. How can I say, I hear you? And and guess what? You don't have to stick around for the dump. You can go, okay, now you're dumping on me. I'm going to leave the room and I'm going to come back when you're calmer, depending on how old they are, if they can handle it on their own. But you just don't take it personally, right?
0: Right, right. No, I love that reframe. I think that that's so, so important. Um, Dr. Shafali, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Can you tell my listeners where they can find your book and where they can find you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so they can look me up, uh, on Instagram. It's Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R Shefali or drshefali.com. They can just look up conscious parenting and put Shefali. They'll find everything. And, uh, the new book is called The Parenting Map. I have a coaching institute for people who want to be trained by me to do this work. And uh, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you, Dr. Shafali, again, for having this conversation and helping me support you, the mother. Thank you. Thank you.